This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for June 17th, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. The message is by Father Ron Baird. In this morning's epistle lesson, we have uh, that passage where I, yet if you've heard me talk about this before, the the thing where I talk about that there's going to be a judgment day at the end of time, which most people accept, but that everyone is to be judged. Now, I've had some people come to me, and even in our own congregation, say, I didn't think that Christians were judged. All right. <laughs> Wishful thinking, you know. But, but obviously, from what he says, is that everyone will be judged. Even Paul's talking about he's going to be judged. So it seems to me if Paul's probably going to be judged, then chances are we don't much chance of skipping that. And you may have heard me use the illusion that, that, that when um, you go there, you're before the judgment's thrown, and they have this huge, giant jumbotron that's bigger than any that you've ever imagined where all of your deeds, good and bad, are seen by all, and everybody knows, including your mother, all those things you did. And it's, it's, that's the context that Paul is uh, speaking of today in Corinthians, when he says, in the second letter, he says, I am confident whether even now while I'm in the body or whether I'm out of the body. I'm confident. Now, there's a couple of things that are interesting. Now, one is what's this in the body or out of the body? I mean, is he sort of you know, transporting different places? Well, no. What, he's, what we would say is I am confident whether I'm alive right now here or if I die. I'm still confident even though I know that we will all go before the judgment. You know. And what's interesting about this is, if you remember with Paul, one of the things that's going to be flashed up on the screen is him holding the cloaks of the people who stoned Stephen to death. And we read about in the book of Acts. I imagine Paul doesn't even want to see that again, much less does he want a whole lot of other people to see it, because, I mean, here he was an accomplice in the murder of one of the leading Christians. Um, so, but he gets to watch it along with everybody else. And, and it's that, that he says, I am confident. You know, and when we think about judgment and judgment day, I don't know that confidence is the thing that comes first and foremost to our mind. Most of us think, oh, no. But it shouldn't. Not if we truly have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because when we have done that and we go before the judgment, we know that the penalty has already been paid. And the fact that the penalty has already been paid doesn't mean that, that the, the transgression was not committed. It was committed. It just means that the fine, the penalty has already been taken care of. And so, yeah, it's going to be up there, but it's not something that you're going to be judged negatively or condemned for because you've already paid that. Well, how did you pay it? Well, you didn't exactly. Jesus paid it. And the way that he, that we get to participate in his payment for that sin that we have is by dying to ourselves and living for him. And that's why Paul goes to this whole thing about how he's confident. Whether I am in the body or out of the body, he says, while I am in the body, I'm here to serve the Lord. And if I'm out of the body, then I'm with the Lord. He says, you know, honestly, I'd, I'd really rather be, you know, with the Lord than have to stay here. 
Y'all ever feel that way? Yeah, you can imagine. He said, but I'm content wherever it is that the Lord wants me. In another place, he puts it this way. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, there's another weird way of looking at it. We don't often think of dying as being gainful. We think of it as loss, not as gain. But Paul says, no, no, no. Anyone who is in Christ or anyone who is in Christ, it is gain. Because you see, if you are alive, then Christ is in you and with you and you serve him. And if you die, you still have Christ in you and with you and you still serve him. You're just closer to him than you were before. And it's not a matter of a change of, of your circumstance. It's a matter of a change of locality. And that is it. Because either way, we have already died and lived with Christ. That's why the Christian message is so vital. Because the people that we know, that we care about, they're going to be there. And their deeds are all going to be flashed up there too. And the real concern that we should have is, what will their response be? What will that be like? You know, it's like when you catch somebody red-handed or something, different people have different reactions. Some people go, yeah, you know, they admit and tell you they're sorry. Some people say, I didn't do that. I mean, you can give them incontrovertible evidence and they say, I didn't do that. That's not true. You know, deny everything because I never did anything wrong. And, and the difference in that is the difference between life and death, you know, eternal death. And so Paul's saying that, that we are confident. But what is it we're confident in doing? Just confident about the judgment? Well, no, not exactly. We're confident about why we are here, what it is that we are to be doing. You know, we don't often give that a lot of thought. I mean, you know, why was I created? Why do I exist? In fact, typically we only think about it when, you know, crises come up or when things are really bad. A lot of times we only think about it when we don't want to exist or we'd rather not. But it's not very often that we sit back and think about, I wonder why God made me. Why did he make me instead of somebody else? You know, what is that all about? We know that God is perfect, and he really doesn't make mistakes. You know, if you're here, you're here on purpose. You know, some of you have heard me say this before, but God didn't, you know, you weren't born and God goes, wait a minute, how'd that one get down there? I mean, <laughs> that doesn't happen. He already planned it. You're here for a reason. And, and there are specific reasons that are different for each of us in terms of what we are to do. But there's an overarching reason that's true for all of us, certainly all of us who are called to be one with Christ, and that is to tell people the good news. And the church, particularly over the last millennium or so, um, has really messed this up bad. I mean, I don't know that most people, when they think of evangelical, they think good news. I mean, it just doesn't pop into their brain which is really sad because evangelical actually means someone who's filled with good news. Usually they think it's somebody who's filled with judgment and condemnation and thoughts and rules and you know, just wants to put me down. Well, that's a terrible witness for us. And, and to some extent we deserve it. 
An awful lot of us focus too much on telling people how they should live. You know, it's easy to get out and preach condemnation. I had a professor when I was in seminary who taught us how to preach, and he said anyone can preach judgment because everybody has something to feel guilty about. The hard thing to preach is grace. Where's the hope in the midst of the judgment? And, and that's really what good news is really about, is that when that great judgment finally comes and all your deeds are known by everyone, how's there good news in that? How, how can that be something that encourages them rather than makes them feel ashamed or wanting to hide? And, and I fear that for many of us, even who call ourselves Christians, we don't feel that way either. You know, how many times do you, you know, call a new priest or elect a bishop and say, okay, I want you to go through your litany of sins. Let's, let's go through this stuff and tell us about the worst things you've ever done. They'd probably be hard-pressed to tell you. But what good news in there in the fact that that person got it all right? I mean, at best, they're deceiving themselves because nobody gets it all right. And in fact, if they can't confess their sins, how can they share it as good news? Because you see, that's what good news was really about. It's about going out to a world that is broken, who is past hope, who doesn't see much chance of anything getting better, and saying, no, it's not going to stay that way. God can change all of this, and he will. Now, what most of the people out there are looking at are things like, well, you know, and you get these questions if you if you do try to do evangelism, which is, well, if there's a God in heaven and he loves everybody, why does he allow this child to die? Why did he allow that drunk driver to kill that person? Why does he allow a tsunami to, to hit this country? Why does he allow a tornado to kill those people? You know, and, and that's usually the question. And we're like, bye, 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 bye. Well, there is a reason, believe it or not. The reason why he allows it is because God doesn't want us to be his robots. Now, he could do that. He could have made the world so that nobody could do anything other than what his will was. We would all do exactly as we were told. But there would be one thing lacking. It wouldn't be love. Because love is the choice to do something, not the coercion to do it. And God loves us and wants us to love him but he needs for us to choose. And so people go, so forever all this stuff's going to be going on and that's all there is? Well, no. I mean, God's creation is, is a work in progress. And all too often what we do is we go, have you ever seen anybody who started a jigsaw puzzle? What does it look like? Yeah, it looks like a mess. I mean, can you, you go, what in the world's that? There's all these pieces everywhere, you know, it's kind of like, Wow. Especially the big ones, you know, the 10,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. You're thinking, wow. Imagine how many pieces God has in this jigsaw puzzle we call creation. And we go up and we look at it and we go, well, that's never going to get put together. But with God, all things are possible. You see, that the ugliness that we see in this painting that was just started or this symphony that was just begun or the sculpture that was just started, we may see the ugliness that is there now. God sees the end product. He sees what it will be like and is moving all of creation towards that moment. 
when that will finally happen. And that's when the great judgment comes. Because when the great judgment comes, some of the pieces won't be necessary anymore. They won't, they won't fit into the puzzle. They won't you know, fit back on the sculpture. They won't belong in the painting. And for many of us, it would be very easy to choose that because we don't want to obey. And it's not that he's going to make us obey. He wants us to want to obey because it's good for us. So how do we tell people this is good news then? Because it's still obedience. Well, first off, quit telling them they have to do it. They don't have to do it. You know, they, they have a choice. They can do it or not do it, whichever one they want. It's just a matter of what they actually end up choosing. And secondly is don't go and tell them you're doing this wrong. You were bad. That's not good news. Don't go say you ought to do this. That's not good news. I mean, anybody here ever have somebody at work or school or something come up and say, you're doing that all wrong? Then you think, oh, wow, somebody's sharing good news with me today. I feel so good and uplifted by it. That's so wonderful. I mean, it didn't happen. You think, oh, great, another critic. Yeah, we all need another critic, don't we? No, share good news. Well, what is good news then? Good news is when you go and you say to them, you know, I did that once. And they said, really? How'd that work out? Oh, it was a mess. I mean, let me tell you what happened. (laughs) You know, this went on and... You wouldn't believe how messed up I got things by doing that. They go, well, what then happened? I said, well, thanks be to God that, you know, there were people there and the Lord helped me to get past those things and and to let go of them and to change. They're going, you really think God did that? Oh, yeah, trust me. I mean, there's no way I could do it. John jokes with me now when he was little. I always used to tell him, John, there's no point when you grow up of trying dumb things out there, you know, that all teenagers try, because I've already done them all, and, and it, they don't work. So the smart thing for you to do is to just come and ask me about it. I, I'll even tell you how badly it can go. Because <laughs> chances are I found out. And, and it's a whole lot less painful to hear my horror stories that God redeemed me from than for you to have to experience them all over again. So now he just says, Daddy, there's not much point in me doing anything because you've already messed it up one way or another. And that's good news. See, it's not a condemnation. It's a fact because I can tell him my mistakes. I can tell people, you know, the sins that I've committed without, you know, fear or with guilt because he has redeemed me from those things. Now they can become object lessons. They can become opportunities for growth. They can become ways that other people can learn. So they don't have to do stupid things like that. I never will forget when I was trying to teach him how to ride a bike. He said, but what happens if you fall? I don't want to fall. And I said, you know, honestly, I don't know of anybody who's ever ridden a bike and never fallen. There may be somebody, but I don't know who they are. He goes, well, what do you do? I said, fall in the grass. <laughs> and then what you'd fall in the, don't fall on the sidewalk or the street, fall in the grass. It's a whole lot easier on you. Um, but those are the mistakes, and we, and we learn how to do them. Whenever he's messed up on a test or something, from the time he's little, I always said, well, okay. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, no, no. I, what I want to know is what happened. Let's go through and figure out what needs to be done because that's the issue. 
You know, it's not like, oh, you get a permanent grade on your record. That's, that one's going to come up in heaven, you know. If it did, you'd get, you'd get to see my F in TV English in 10th grade. Um, the other day I got an email from somebody, and the, the email was from a, it said Dennis Link on it. I'm thinking, Dennis Link must be junk mail. I'm thinking, that name sounds so familiar to me. Why does that name sound familiar to me? I couldn't think of it. I couldn't think of it. So I opened it up because it just sounded like somebody I would have known. And it was a guy that I knew in high school. He says, hey, Ronnie, what's going on, bro? (laughs) And I said, oh, what a blast from the past that is. And he was talking about all this stuff. And I'm thinking, I'd forgotten all that. <laughs> and and I thought, you know, if he saw me today, he wouldn't recognize me. And for one thing, I've put on two or three pounds since then. Um, and my hair's gotten a little bit of gray in it since that time. But beyond that, I'm not who I was. You know, that's why Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, the old's passed away. Behold, there's a new creation. There's something entirely different than there was before. And although all of those things are still part of who you are, because they help to make you who you are, they, you aren't bound by them or condemned by them or judged by them. Now they've become opportunities for grace. As you begin to share with others the grace that God has given you through them, now, if you have things that you don't feel that grace for, maybe you need to go back and deal with that. Because as long as it's a judgment, it's just a cloud hanging over your head. And it will keep you out of the kingdom of God. Because you're going to have to give it up one way or another. The question is, is do you want to give it up to a Savior who believes in you so much he would die for you? Or do you want to justify it? And people do that, don't they? You know, have you ever confronted people with things? You know, sometimes they admit what they've done, and sometimes they just say, I didn't do that. It's really hard to reconcile the I didn't do that, isn't it? So good news isn't when you tell people how they ought to live. Good news is when you tell them how you messed up and how God redeemed you. You know, I had one, I think some of you have heard the story before. I had one person that I was sharing Christ with, and they didn't think they were worthy um, to, to come to church or to be with Christ. And I said, are you kidding me? And they said, well, you don't know the things I've done, Father. And I said, doesn't make much difference. You'd be hard-pressed to pass me. And they go, no. So I started telling them about my younger life and about the stupid things I've done. And they said, and you're a priest? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? <laughs> And God can forgive all of that? And I said, yeah. And they said, wow, there is really hope for me. (laughs) I said, I know. Because my failings became their opportunity because of a God who loves and who redeems and who transforms. So when you share the gospel with people, don't tell them what. Tell them how you messed up and how God forgave you. Explain to them how God can change things. Because on that judgment day, for those of us who've already paid for those sins, there's another thing that we have to deal with. And that's it. What did we do with this time that he gave us? 
once he's redeemed us. Because what we're here for is strictly to be heralds. Not H-A-R-O-L-D-S, but H-E-R-A-L-D-S. People who announce good news to people. That the world won't always be like this. That the end is coming. And it's a glorious opportunity for a wonderful place to be. If you're willing to live for him. And you know that because it happened to you. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I tried that before. It didn't work. I always love outcome-based evangelism, <laughs> which is an interesting concept in and of itself. But does anybody here do gardening or planting? What happens if you go and plant one seed of corn in the ground? And what are the odds that it will come up? Not great, are they? I mean, might, might not. <laughs> well, or if it's good ground, or <laughs> you add in all those factors, because um, the people you're talking to, you don't know if if what you're saying is good seed. You don't know if they're good fertile ground. You don't know any of that. You're just scattering seed, and yet sometimes it blossoms. And it's amazing. The problem with it is, is if you plant one seed of corn in the ground and then you sit down to wait for it to come up, you're going to be there a while. We do that with people that we talk to also, you know, okay, I've told you all this stuff. Now, you're saved, you're a Christian, right? Let's see how holy you are. (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really work that way. You know, you might as well be sitting on the ground waiting for the sprout of corn, you know, the stalk of corn to shoot up. It's about the same thing. Because, you see, the truth is we're not called to be the people who produce. We're called to be the people who scatter and tell the good news. And all too often, we've gotten more concerned with producing than we have with scattering. And then we wonder why it is that the production's not going too good. Our production's way down. Well, mainly, you know, it's kind of like playing the lottery. You know, if you don't buy a ticket, you probably won't win. Well, if you don't share the good news, you're probably not going to help anybody know Christ. It tends to work that way. You know, the second illustration Jesus gave us from today's gospel is that it's like a mustard seed, which is also is an illustrative of, of why it is that we don't do that. All too often, we think our stories are insignificant. They're not very important. You know, nobody would care about that. You know, why would that change somebody else's life? And yet... Jesus is telling us, no, 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 you don't understand. The kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? It's about the size of a poppy seed. You ever seen a poppy seed? It's smaller than a sesame seed, believe it or not. And yet, when it does grow, it grows into a big, fat bush. It looks pretty insignificant, but it grows into being a big bush. That's what spreading the word is like. You don't get to decide what it's going to look like or how it's going to work. You just tell them and you let that seed you know, be tended to by God. And, and it may well sprout into eternal life. And you may never know it until you're there before that judgment seat. When the person has all that stuff and goes, yeah, I remember all that stuff. I did all that stuff. You know, I'm sure glad that that Father Ron told me about that terrible stuff that he did because it gave me hope, and now I can be here too and know that he forgives me. 
you know, if that guy is there doing that, you'll see me going, yes! Because <laughs> I never saw him again after that. You don't know how it might turn out. But we live in a society that's so, you know, obsessed with results that sometimes we forget the results is the fact that we planted it and that we told them. So I encourage you to go out to share the good news of what God has done in your life. Share the good news of how he turned you from a sinner into someone who is redeemed. They don't want to know how perfect you are. You know, perfect people are irritating. They really are. There's only ever been one perfect person who walked the face of the earth and we killed him, so that should tell you something about how we feel about perfect people. We don't like them. But people do need to know that there's hope, that there's a God who can make a difference, who can change their life, who can bring something new out of something that was old and broken. Because when we see that, we begin to catch a glimpse of what the the jigsaw puzzle will look like when it's done, or the sculpture or whatever that might be. And when we have that kind of hope, then we truly know that with God all things are possible. So when you're up there, as part of what's going to be flashing on the Jumbotron, you spreading the seeds, you scattering that word, or are they going to see you passing a lot of judgment and criticism and condemnation? Because the difference is the difference between life and death. Judgment and criticism bring death. Good news is when you share the hope of resurrection and how it can be turned around. Because you know it. You've lived it. So start spreading seeds. And you may well be amazed that someday someone might say, I wouldn't be here if not for so-and-so. And that truly will be a day of rejoicing. Amen. You were just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.